Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 11 Target Penta Mokyo Penta New decides Captain Toshkray and Neo Zeon Fleet Commander Admiral Twining were in the captain's cabin of the battleship Guare. The two of them were in discussion. The Neo Zeon forces wanted to take in the new decides remnant forces. Cray said he would not make a unilateral decision without discussing the offer with his soldiers. The Admiral felt that a reason for the new decides who appeared hesitant was because they hated Zeon. He told him, I feel I need to emphasize that we're not the Zeon of old. We are a new organization formed by people unsatisfied with the Federation government. Since Brave Cod died, Toss was the de facto leader of the New Decides. Neo Zeon was opposed to the Earth Federation just like the New Decides. However, the New Decides followed in the footsteps of the Titans and admired them. They were tasked with eliminating remaining Zeon forces. This is quite clearly a quandary for Cray, and he was afraid his officers would not be willing to join alongside Neo Zeon. Although they would be a powerful ally that could hurt the Earth Federation, if they were to side with Neo Zeon, he was afraid the new decides would become by default enemies of the Earth and would, in essence, give them no reason to exist. He left the room and then headed towards the rooms assigned to the new decides troops on the ship. As he looked out the window, he saw three pink Gaza Seas flying by in tight formation along with a Musai-class cruiser, most famous for the one-year one year era war, towing what appeared to be a gigantic cone-shaped object. The Neo-Zeon fleet was headed to L1, or Lagrange 1, to rendezvous with the INO fleet. Cray thought about a man from his past. If I were him, what would I do? Cray thought of the man who, like Hod, was also an activist. However, this man went about his business in a drastically different manner than Cod. He's probably still on Earth doing some sort of clerical job. Is he already retired? Or has he begun a new lifestyle? Does he know what I'm doing now? Cray understood that he still owed the man a favor. He would not die meaninglessly before he returned it. However, Cray did not know that this man, Stoll Mannings, was a part of the very same forces pursuing him. Meanwhile, the remaining Federation mobile suits on the surface of the moon were transported back to the task force by heavy lift vehicles or HLVs. The EXS and Zeta Pluses were powerful enough to attain an escape velocity and flew back to the Pegasus 3 on their own power. Shane Crypt met the Gundam team pilots back aboard ship. Since his FAS was destroyed along with his squad mates, he was stuck on the Pegasus 3. He likely would not have been deployed for the moon operation if the FAZ was not able to descend on the moon. Roots was exhausted. Crip said as Roots floated past him, Thanks for taking revenge for me. He didn't turn around as he continued past, but gave him a thumbs up. March 31st, Earth Stand Titan, 0600 hours. The Pegasus 3 engaged its thrusters and broke lunar orbit. The Task Force Alpha was tasked with pursuing the Neo Zeon fleet. The only ship in the fleet fast enough to give chase was Pegasus 3. 
Because our objective is to determine if the new decides to join a voice with Neo Zeon, this will mainly be a reconnaissance mission. Don't engage in any unnecessary combat. All mobile suit pilots need to get sufficient rest. Additionally, unless the enemy attacks first, take special care not to attack the Neo Zeon ships or mobile suits. That concludes the briefing. You guessed it. Root's curse in Felto is yet another suicide mission. He seems to do that a lot. He headed to the pilot's ready room where he heard Manning's call him out for his crappy tactics. He then continued to say, well, you still managed to survive the battle of the moon's surface. Roots expected he would be praised and was annoyed by the comment, still managed. Manning's kept him in check, saying that just because he had some battles under his belt, that he was still a rookie until he could beat him. Roots turned and said to Manning's, whatever. I was just about to ask you something anyway. Back on the moon, you said I was chosen. What's that supposed to mean? Of all people, why did you choose me to pilot the S Gundam? Isn't that a little odd? And why does the S Gundam move on its own? What? The S Gundam moved on its own? Yeah, she started to move by herself, but thanks to her, I was able to finish off that Gundam called the Mark V So. I see. Mangs was deep in thought. What are the origins of this Gundam anyway? All I can say is that it's a truly fantastic machine. As for your other questions, that's not something you should ask. Let me get this out of the way first. How about being my sparring partner? I want to see how much your piloting skills have improved. That'll be fun. How about if I win, you tell me the S Gundam's secret. Come on, I'll show you what I've got. The two left the ready room and went to the mobile suit deck. Roots boarded the S Gundam, Mangs boarded the Nero trainer. They both removed the training use paintball guns from the hangar wall and used the mobile suit elevators. The screen inside the Nero trainer cockpit displayed the face of Captain Heathrow. Mang switched to a private channel so no one else could hear them talk. Commander, those scientists lied to us. Alice was not sealed. What? That bastard Carl. She's still alive inside the S Gundam, and she's learned a few things from Roots, the Cheshire Cat. What I'm trying to do now is to see if it makes, if it's made any difference. I see. Don't push it. Come see me later in the captain's quarters. We'll discuss the details. I'll be expecting you. Once the conversation ended, Mang's Nero trainer was connected to the linear catapult. Then the two mobile suits launched from either side of the Pegasus 3 into the darkness of space. Meanwhile, in the mess hall of the Guare, the surviving members of the new decides were huddled around Cray in deep discussion. Fastside and the other officers, regardless of rank, were discussing their options, and all were able to have their opinions heard. There was some talk of some officers joining the new Zion or to stay with the new decides. I feel instead that borrowing Neo Zion's power is not a bad idea. It's simply a matter of either keeping our reputation or exchanging it for military power. I'd rather be sacrificed for our ideals. How else are we going to demonstrate our will? Offshore, his eyes hidden by bandages, face crane stated. Even now, you're still discriminating against the Neo Zeon name. This is ridiculous. We all share the same goal. What's wrong with cooperating with those who actually possess strength? Salatory replied. Ultimately, 
They all turned to Cray, who waited to hear their fate. I understand everyone's intentions. I hereby announce that, from today on, the new decides has formally been disbanded. I will not stop those who wish to join Neozeon. Those who wish to fight on at my side stay. Let's say goodbye to each other without complaints. The soldiers were naturally upset and got rowdy, but then they fell silent. Cray stood up and walked away, while Salatoy looked at him. It was you who called the Uzian fleet over, right? I'm eternally grateful to you for convincing Mr. Aino and Ayer City to join us. It's just that I never would have thought that there was someone among us born on Psy 3. It did not try to conceal that from the start. I'm, I'm happy to be able to work with everyone. While I wish to continue fighting with all of you, I have my own mission. I must fight to restore my homeland. Indeed. In the past, you and I were divided in opposing camps, but not, do not be mistaken. We now share equal status as comrades. I truly thank you from the bottom of my heart. You must do your very best. Crane and Salatomi shook hands. Of the 40 or so soldiers, only 28 decided to stay by Cray. Everyone, listen up. From this point on, our path will only be more difficult to travel. The new decides no longer exist. Now on, the battles we choose to fight are our own personal ones. Let's take a gamble and see what we can accomplish with only 28 men. Cray vowed in front of the remaining members. The Nero trainer and Escana were engaged in an intense fight. Roots was able to slip behind the Nero and fired his paintball gun. Despite its shot, Mangs was able to somehow evade. Mangs said to Roots his attacks were textbook. He urged him to change up his style to be unexpected. He even mocked Roots and was wondering how he was able to survive on the moon's surface. He then turned the Nero around 180 degrees and charged the S Gundam. The combat data of S Gundam's fights with the Mark V was loaded and digitized into Nero's IMPC. Roots had a flashback to the fight with the Mark V and became scared and screamed. Why? Why must he intentionally make me recall that event? I won't be afraid. Even if I have to experience it again. The Nero ducked and fired at the S Gundam. The S Gundam evaded down to the right and fired continuously at the Nero who flew past. The Nero is hit with three yellow paintball blotches. Oh? Not bad. Looks like you really have improved. So that makes it two wins and one loss, right? Don't forget how the real battle feels. Roots invited Mannings to the promise to answer Roots' question. Mannings' words hinted that Roots' attacks from start to finish had not proceeded according to his own will. That was what Mannings had reserved. This fire was far too different from the last one. Has Alice really awoken? But it didn't seem complete. Maybe that was only a self-defense instinct, Mannings thought. To fully awaken Alice, they could not let the Cheshire Cat know of her existence. If the one-sided love affair developed into a willing relationship, there would only be an early divorce. When humans are secretly in love with someone, whether male or female, they will try their best to improve themselves to impress their love, basically cultivating their charm. Thus, using a one-sided love affair to train Alice to be independent was an important part of constructing Alice's consciousness. The process of using this type of false love to let Alice become fully independent could not be easily stopped once it started. It was too dangerous to reseal her now. 
If Alice was ejected, there's a possibility that she could self-destruct. If that were to happen, the entire plan would be ruined. Roots, it seems like you're still unsure about actual combat, like you're relying on your sixth sense to do battle. Your flaws are bound to appear if you battle with your feelings, so you still haven't truly defeated me. I only recognize your ability when you can beat me every time. Roots wasn't satisfied and felt that Mannings was holding him back. They both returned to the ship, however, as they had no more ammunition. Roots was convinced that he could beat Mannings one more time. Neozion had rendezvous with Iono's forces. The bull run had sustained significant damage and the only the ship that remained was a Sekyo as a sole escort cruiser. The 28 new decides members transferred to the bull run via a shuttle. The ones who stayed behind looked include a side three board Neozion support named Salatome. Iono and Craig met and were frustrated that only five mobile suits remained usable. Most were damaged beyond use when they were fired from the moon surface using the mass driver. Iono was crestfallen with their lot. Most of the vessels were destroyed and some even surrendered. Iono said to Cray, I didn't expect that they would send my son to deal the final blow. That was indeed something. Sorry, Admiral, but wasn't your son killed in action during the final battle? Oh, I always talk like this. I'm just used to calling my past students' sons. I was referring to the pack captain of the Pegasus Three. When I was the principal of the Advance Officers School, he graduated the top of his class, and now he's already commanding a fleet in a real battle. I guess it's time for a vet like me to retire. Admiral Iano's expression radiated with satisfaction as he spoke of the experience. At that moment, an aide informed Captain Cray that there was a request from New Zealand to speak directly with him. Once connected, it showed the face of Admiral Twatting. Everyone, it's time for us to go our separate ways. Because we still have yet to complete our preparations for a direct military confrontation with Federation forces, all we could do is provide you with a cruiser and a mobile armor as a parting gift. A Musai-class cruiser moved adjacent to the bull run. It was towing the strange conical object Cray had seen while on the Guare. It became apparent that this massive object was not an HLV, but in fact a mobile armor. It was so large it looked like a cruiser. Compared to mobile suits, which are commonly used in melee or close-range combat, mobile armors placed greater emphasis on firepower and concentrated attack power. They were classified as heavily armored, heavily equipped mechanical weapons, and so their appearance was not limited to just a humanoid shape. Even though the development of mobile armor technology is quite common, never before had a mobile armor of this size measuring over 200 meters in length with the ability to match a cruiser in battle ever appeared. This mobile armor is only a prototype, but it's equipped for real combat. We call her the Zodiac. You're free to name her whatever you like. The operations manual is inside the cruiser. I hope to be reunited with all of you in the future. Cray thanked the Xeon Admiral and saluted each other, bidding each other farewell. The Neo Xeon fleet left and headed towards Lagrange 1. Zodiac, huh? Is it an effective model? The Guare's captain asked. Twining smiled and replied, Since it's free, they can tolerate a few defects. After all, our army does not have the capabilities to provide them with anything more. They are, after all, only a renegade faction of the Federation forces, so are not worth looking out for too much. We, Neozion, still have to prepare to descend to Earth and fight there. 
Come to think of it, it was a waste to give them an additional towing vessel. Cray went to his room and searched the computer to look for suitable targets when it occurred to him where to strike next. He realized that the Earth's orbital fleet was pulled from its normal base and orbit around the moon still. He knew what to do next. 24 hours later, he gave a briefing to Admiral Ionel and the other new Decides forces. The details of this operation plan are roughly as follows. Because the spaceport assigned to the Federation's force Earth orbital fleet Penta currently has weak defenses, surprise attack can easily suppress it. Once we gain control of a space shuttle capable of descending to Earth, the mobile suits and their pilots will immediately descend upon the car city in Africa and gain control of the Federation Legislative Assembly currently in session. On the other end, the mobile arm will remain in orbit on combat alert, alert to defend against an Federation fleet that may rush over to provide reinforcements. Finally, we'll use this mobile armor to carry out a precise bombardment of the Federation Forces' new headquarters of the car. The mobile armor could enter the atmosphere. So it was planned to be used similar to a small-scale colony drop. Sidebar. They sure do like colony drops in Gundam. Since the mobile armor was controllable, it would be more accurate than the random colony drop. Cray knew this would be a suicide mission, but he was willing to do whatever it took. Cray and Cy were selected to be the pilots. They boarded the Musai cruiser towing it and renamed the ship the Brave. Target, Penta. The Bull Run's captain gave the order. The damaged battleship led the cruisers Seikyo and Brave, the latter towing the mobile armor as they proceeded en route to Penta. Even though each of them knew this would be their final battle, their will was still as determined as ever. So for this week, we're going to talk about the Zodiac. Officially, the Zodiac is not a mobile suit, but in fact a mobile armor. Its code name is AMA-100. Its overall length is 218 meters, overall height of 44.2 meters, and overall width of 41.65 meters, base weight of 9,640 tons, total weight of 22,580 tons. Its power generator output is a massive 197,400 kilowatts. For rocket thrusters, it has eight for a total of 6.2 tons worth of thrust. Added two control verniers of 84. An effective sensor radius of 20,000 kilometers. Its armor is based of a Gundalian composite. Weapons, it has a large megaparticle cannon, a total of two with an output range of 520 megawatts. Beam cannons has a total of 12 with 12 megawatts output. Wired beam claws has a total of four with an output of 50 megawatts each. Beam saser has a total of 12 uh, with a standard output of 0.9 megawatts. And it has eight 60 millimeter Vulcans. If you can sub-characterize uh, the Zodiac, it's actually two zone mobile armors of Z-O-A-N, cruising formal, formal length of uh, overall length of 218.3 meters. Combat form's overall length is 193.85 meters. In cruising form, its overall height is 22.1 meters. Combat height, 33.8. Cruising overall width is 20.83 meters. 
cruising overall width is 23.84 meters. Its body weight is 4,820 tons, total weight of 11,293 tons, power generator output of 98,700 kilowatts. It has a total of four rocket thrusters with an output of 6,200 tons. Attitude control vernier is a total of 42. The effective sensor radius is 16,000 meters. If you think of the weapons, essentially it's half that of a Zodiac since two of them form the zone. Or rather, the Zodiac. The Zodiac is a mobile armor of the Neozean army with a total length of over 200 meters. It can be separated vertically along the center line, and the separated mobile armor is called the zone. This is the first mobile armor to be able to perform atmospheric orbit conversion is the first attempt to aerodynamically design a mobile armor, even from the time of the former Principality of Xeon. During the One Year War, the former Principality of Xeon developed the mobile armor as a way to strengthen the attack power of mobile suits. After the war, many engineers were captured by the Federal Army or Federation in demanding cooperation. However, due to the turmoil at the end of the war, many engineers fled to Axis. When Axis returned to Earth in Universal Century year 0088, they sought to expand their arms race and strengthen their industrial capabilities in preparation for the revival of Xeon. While developing mobile suits that incorporate features key to mass productions represented by the Gaza series, developing the Psychomu system and high-performance mobile suits and mobile armors, which Xeon is very good at, was also continued. During the Grips War, Xeon looked for an opportunity to take advantage of the essential sub-war between the Aeuk and Titan's factions of the Earth Federation forces in order to invade the Earth. During this period, the Zodiac was developed as a low-Earth low earth orbit control weapon for Neo Xeon's strategy to invade the Earth. After examining the features of the Wave Rider-like and Zeta Gundam, many technical issues had to be resolved for a huge, unprecedented aircraft like a Zodiac to be able to enter the Earth's atmosphere. As a result of various studies, the basic shape of the mobile armor was decided to be a concentric and smooth joining of two cones with different tapers. Normally it's fixed to the mothership that's a modified Musai cruiser, which was named the Brave in this episode, and waits for its activation while receiving transportation and maintenance. When separated, it can activate eight thermonuclear rocket engines and accelerates the aircraft with a total weight of 22,580 tons at 2Gs for a maximum output thrust of 4.5Gs in order to enter battle. Another feature of the Zodiac is the huge mega particle cannon. Except for the colony laser, it is the most powerful created thus far in Universal Century history. Each zone is equipped with one gate with a total of two gates. This beam cannon is divided into two parts. One is the beam, which is involved with generating and firing part housing the rear part of the fuselage and the other is the beam focusing part in the part of the front of the fuselage. Two super large medical part particle cannons are arranged to be surrounded by the engine on the rear fuselage. The two beam cannons fire alternately or simultaneously and the convergent deflector adjusts the emitted beam to accurately guide it to the target. It is said that the Zodiac is a mega particle cannon with a huge body. It was also equipped with four normal-sized megaparticle cannons, six beam savers, and two quasi psychomu beam claws. Zodiac was designed with expandability for psychomu weapons. It was planned to be equipped with several funnel weapons in the future. 
A test by a new type pilot was also planned, but difficulties continued to be seen with the largest beam cannon in history, and this psych move plan was eventually shelved. It was planned to be transported to the Earth with the New Zealand Outpost fleet, tested for aerodynamics and then abandoned, but trained to the Federal Forces for Rebellion, i.e. the new decides. For this week, we're going to talk about mobile armors from the standpoint of its historical perspective in Gundam. The Zodiac is the first mobile armor introduced to Gundam Sentinel franchise, and I figured it'd be a good starting point to talk about mobile armors as a whole. I'll try to talk about universal century units that were introduced up until 1988. So the ones seen in later universal century shows, such as in Char's Counterattack, 0083, etc., will not be talked about to avoid too many spoilers if you haven't seen them yet. Mobile armor is an acronym for an all-range maneuverability offense utility reinforcement. During the One-Year War, the Xeon were building the mobile armor as a way to compete with the mobile suit, especially the Gundam. The mobile armor is a unit that features a powerful enough generator to support the use of mega-particle cannons. Units like the Sacrello, Big Row, and Volvaro were created in the ending phase of the One-Year War to try to turn the tide in the favor of the Xeon. Key features of mobile armors include high man maneuverability, mobility, powerful weapons, and a strong defensive measures, including the use of eye fields. Most mobile armors tend to not have a humanoid form, humanoid form, but this is not a universal feature. When a mobile armor is always seen in Gundam, it tends to drive fear in the hearts of combatants on the field. When the Elmuth, piloted by Lala Soon, was first seen in the first Gundam, it was able to cause mass destruction at a great distance. Although it had a short lifespan, the Big Zam was a terrifying weapon used by the Xeon forces during the end of the One Year War. That is until Amro showed up in that infernal Gundam of his. It must be terrifying for units designed for close range combat like a mobile suit to be picked off at a great range from an opponent you can't even see with your own eyes or onboard sensors in a mobile suit. Add to the sheer power of a mega beam cannon, which rivals or surpasses the powers of a cruiser, Many equipped with also psychic systems that work synergistically with new type pilots and allow them to use fearsome weapons like bits and funnels. This technology would later be seen in Zeta Gundam with the Psycho Gundam. We won't talk about some of the mobile armor seen later in the Universal Century, but my goodness, they become even more powerful with time. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Unicorn Gundam. Chapter 12 Pursuit the Pegasus III is in pursuit of the new decides remnant forces. All the while, they are being harassed by Neo Zeon forces. Meanwhile, Kray and his remaining forces mount a surprise attack on the orbiting platform Penta as their final gambit to destabilize the Earth Federation government. Please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your Gundam-loving Otaku friends to check it out. Until next time.